This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Can you hear that, Darren? I can hear that. Darren, that's you. You've just transported from Los Angeles into uh, New York City, uh, the 44th floor. Deck 44, as I like to call it here, in, um, in New York City. Uh, you are officially the first person I'm talking to via Skype on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, and you're the first person to know about it. Congratulations. I'm, I'm the first person to hear about this. I am I'm learning all about this before anyone does. Um, love the love the name, love everything about this, Jordan. What what is Engage though? Pretend that I'm just some lost wandering soul here in the universe. I don't know up, I don't know down. Okay, <laughs> you've just you've just warped in uh, let's say through a, a wormhole from the gamma quadrant. What is Engage? Uh, engage in addition to being a phrase that uh, Captain Picard, who uh, was a captain for the Enterprise, a television show called Star Trek, um, it also represents the fundamental philosophy of this of this podcast. It's the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Star Trek's been around for a long time. A lot of people love it, but it always is looking toward the future. It's a great time to be a Star Trek fan right now, and it's also a great time to become a new Star Trek fan. You've got the movies are out in theaters. Uh, you've got the new show, which is coming to CBS next January. First time on TV in a decade. and um, Or more even. Uh, and uh, the 50th anniversary, there's so much stuff going on throughout the year to celebrate starting in, uh, this summer, really. There's uh, special events, uh, various uh, traveling museum pieces, the thing at the, at the Intrepid in New York. There's going to be stuff happening that kind of hasn't been announced yet. New games, new toys, new thingamabobs. So it's a time where somebody's out there who is, let's say, a bit of a, a bit of a, uh, let's call them a geek, of, uh, you know, maybe likes Marvel films, maybe likes Game of Thrones, but always feels like, gee, you know, there's that big, there's that big hole in my, uh, in my geekdom, which is Star Trek. I don't know where to, I don't know where the on ramp is. This show is going to help you come on in. Now that being said, for the hardcore fanatics, this is going to be a lot of fun too. We're going to have special guests, and we're going to go deep. We're going to do a lot of top five lists. And uh, we're going to get nerdy, dirty and nerdy, regularly, uh, every week here on the show. The first time there's ever been an official Star Trek podcast. Well, Jordan, so uh, I'm the kind of guy, uh, I don't just spend my afternoons digging down deep into the hidden corners of memory alpha. I go all the way to, like, memory beta. Oh. I want to hear all about, like, what is what is the stuff that is, like, you know, you know non-canon Star Trek? That's the stuff where I kind of, I'm, I, I enjoy digging into the kind of arcana of that. But, that being said, there is so much to Star Trek now, as you just said. Uh, I mean, you know, what are your kind of hopes and dreams as far as, like, as, as far as, like, you know, this podcast in the beginning? How does one sort to tackle something that is just you know not just one franchise but so many levels of franchise right right point. well it's that's a it's a great point because um on a very macro level uh the the movie that's coming out is, is the most visible thing and then the new television show 
is really going to be the, the most visible thing. And as we ramp up to that, we're going to be discussing it a lot. You know, every time there's an announcement for uh, what the ship looks like, who 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 the captain is, assuming there is a captain, uh, or the crew. And then once the show is on, we're going to be, you know, really getting into the nitty gritty. Um, but that's, you know, that's bigger stuff. You mentioned memory beta. Uh, for those of you who are listening, that is the uh, the wiki for all of the officially licensed, but not exactly canon novels um, and some of the comics. Some of the comics are considered canon, by the way, officially. Um, so we are going to definitely talk to that talk about that some of the trek books are amazing there's roughly 1100 of them so i have not read them all <laughs> uh, and that's a conservative estimate the new comics right now are dynamite uh idw publishing is doing great things with star trek comics right now we're definitely uh i want to engage if i may use that word with uh, the creators from from that uh so it's the whole it's the whole spectrum absolutely um but you know uh, again, I, I want to make it clear that there are, um, y- you know, we are an inclusive show. Uh, we don't want to make it seem like if you don't already have 300 Star Trek books on your shelf already read, you can't listen to this show. That's the opposite of what this is. Uh, well, when you go when you go to a Star Trek convention, when someone is new, that's the most exciting thing to the hardcore fan that's dressed up like a Breen or Species 8472, like somebody who's really hardcore is like, oh, you're kind of new? Well, guess what? You're about to enter, you know, a, uh, you're about to enter a bold, to, to boldly go into a great spot. And, and you know, the Star Trek friends and, are, are, friends are friendly. We want to help people out. And, well, you know, don't you feel like, too, I mean, I feel very fortunate because I, one of the first Star Trek things that I ever saw was uh, because I was a big fan of science fiction, my parents took me to see Star Trek VI, um, The Undiscovered Country, in theaters. Oh, yeah. Which if, you, which, if you think about it, is a crazy movie to start with because that's, you know, such a kind of, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful ending for, for right. a lot of those characters. <laughs> but, but, but what's funny is, like, that was cusping right on this moment of there just being so much Star Trek. I mean, next generation was on deep space nine was about to be on you know it, it was such a moment to kind of be a fan do you kind of feel like i mean between the movie and the tv show is, is this sort of like that moment for, for young fans again 100 like, percent. this is yeah. a great time to jump in yeah I, for, I know exactly those those years in the late 90s were halcyon years there were the 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 tng movies were about to kick off the you know that there was a moment when they were at at paramount they were shooting a tng film Voyager and Deep Space Nine all at once, you know, on the same day. I mean, what a time. But you're absolutely right. This is this is a similar time because uh, the third movie is about to come out. Uh, and then, you know, then we're going to go right into the TV show. There's a lot of nostalgia for the whole uh, enterprise, if you will, of the whole franchise of 50 years. Um, it really is it's a great, great moment to be a fan uh, or to become a fan, you know. Now, you mentioned mm-hmm. Star Trek Six was the first one you saw in the theater. Uh, I mean, I got one weirder. The first one I saw in the theater uh, was Star Trek Three, which, is, which like, it totally makes no sense at all to see that first. It's like, not you said it was a great ending, Star Trek, because mine was a mediocre middle, you know. So I was <laughs> saw with my grandfather, a Ukrainian immigrant, had no idea what the hell was going on. Um, so I had to explain to him, and somehow I knew. I don't know. I'm like, well, you see, Grandpa, Thaltor Pan is a, is a thing where you could take somebody's essence and plant in somebody's mind and if you if the body happens to be regenerating on the genesis planet you know it's heavy duty stuff so that was the first one that i saw in the theater although not the first film that i attended in the theater um i'm a little older than you 
So if you want to get technical, my physical form was in the theater for Star Trek The Motion Picture. No way! Was, I'll tell you very quickly what happened. Before I knew anything about Star Trek, um, I was... All right, I grew up in New Jersey, all right? Let's get that out of the way, first of all. I grew up in New Jersey, all right? It happens. But my parents, uh, when we were kids, sometimes for like a Christmas break, rather than going somewhere extravagant, we would go to New York for a few days, which is ridiculous because my father commuted in and out of New York every day, so he was basically going to work for his vacation. But, you know, we got a hotel and we did stuff. We went to museums. We did things he did with kids. They saw the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center. The idea was if somebody got sick, we could you know, easily get the hell out of there and go home. You know, not, not a bad idea. Um, so we get to Manhattan, Christmas time, 1979. I'm five years old, and I see the giant one sheet of Star Trek The Motion Picture, and I am thunderstruck because that poster is beautiful. I think it's the most beautiful poster right up there with 2001 in Space Odyssey. It's absolutely fantastic. You got Kirk, you got Spock, you got... Persis Kambata as Ilea. She's bald. You don't know what's going on with her. Spock is very purple. It's it's very, very riveting. And I'm like, <laughs> I have to see this movie. My parents are like, no, we're not taking you to see a Star Trek movie right now. And I scream and yell and I make a big fuss. So we wind up going at a theater that doesn't exist anymore called the Lowe's Astor Place in Times Square. Now it's the Best <sighs> Buy Theater, which is like where bands like middle like bands like train play there right so <laughs> now it's a theater there so that's where you go to see train or like the dave math not that like if dave matthews is solo without the dave matthews band he'll play there right <laughs> so we go to the lowe's astor plaza big deal we've been out all day though we've been out in the cold looking at the rockefeller christmas tree we finally get and we sit down and watch star trek the motion picture i'm so excited i don't even know why i don't even know what star trek is i just love this poster the lights dim I immediately fall asleep, completely zonk out, <laughs> sleep for the entire picture, and then uh, when it ends, I'm um, taken back to the hotel. So I have no actual memory of seeing <laughs> Star Trek The Motion Picture in the theaters, but I was there. So, you know, that's um, proof that me, even as a young lad, I was I was on board with the franchise. Let me let me tell you, Jordan, most people who've seen The Motion Picture have no memory of seeing Aww. The Motion Picture either. Um, but uh, no, no, I... I, I, I can't. I can't. I mean, I, I genuinely, um, you know, you, you, Jordan, you've really, I, I think, sort of written the book on Star Trek episodes. I mean, like, uh, just in, in terms of like ranking all, was it seven, 700 plus well, episodes I, of I, all the series? I, you're referring to a piece, a piece I did in Playboy.com where I ranked every single episode. The way that I counted it, I counted a two parter as one. So Chain of Command 1, Chain of Command 2 only counted as one episode, and I did not count the film, so it's 690, so almost 700. (laughs) Uh, 690 by my ranking uh, did not include the films, um, but I did include uh, the animated series, and some of them ranked highly. I think Yesteryear is like number 17 or something like that. Well, so this is one thing uh, that, uh, you know, I-, I always find really interesting with Star Trek specifically, but also with anything where there's just like so much like fandom around it is, um, you know, where do you tell people to start? Um, we both have, have separately ca- kind of put together our, our our list of maybe like beginner episodes or beginner parts of, of, of the Star Trek franchise. Um, what's what's one movie, TV, whatever that you kind of recommend to people who haven't necessarily experienced Star Trek right. in a major way? Yeah, I, yeah, I hear, I go, I hear where you're going with. And, um, you know, I thought about this long and hard, and I think to get somebody on board who maybe has never seen Star Trek or worse, maybe thinks they don't like it. Because let's be honest, there are some people who don't know Star Trek that maybe think it's too nerdy. 
You know, nerdy nerdy is not <laughs> no what it was. No such thing. I mean, no when, such thing, I'd say. <laughs> right. When we were growing up, it was really like you couldn't read a comic book in public growing up. Now you can. Marvel's really hip. I mean, you get beat up reading a Marvel comic book on the bus when I was growing up. Now you can do that. Um, so nerdy's a little different. But Trek is still, it's like Lord of the Rings level. It's still a little geeky. But I think... So some people are a little hesitant to get involved. My life's mission is to change their mind, obviously. Um, I think the best place to start would be with one of the feature films. And believe it or not, the 2009 Star Trek is not a bad one to start with if you had to. That's not terrible, but it's not my pick. I would go with Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, which at the end of the day is probably not my favorite of the movies. I think I prefer number four just because it's just so entertaining. But I think... Star Trek II is the best because what you get is uh, a really good insight into all the characters, what makes the show work, the adventure, you get to really know the ship, you get to know what, what Star Trek's all about, and it's so iconic. It's like one of those movies that you don't realize how much of it you already know. A friend of mine um, recently saw Casablanca for the first time. I'm not comparing Star Trek 2 to Casablanca. Let's, let's, let me, let me well, I mean, dial it well, back. Because, but, well, but, because, you know, Wrath of Khan is much better than Casablanca. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Right. I had a friend who saw Casablanca for the first time, and he was like, I can't believe how many of the lines I knew. You know, it's so <laughs> famous. And there, you know, there are a lot of things in Star Trek 2 that are, are really, it's perfect. It's like a great literature. It's, it's, a, it's a concise great story of course it leads to a trilogy three and four but it doesn't have to so i think that's the first place to start you get some really good kirk action and kirk spock bones the trilogy troika there uh you get to know all the other characters and it looks great and it still holds up i mean it's from the early 80s but it is not boring i mean i don't think um yeah I yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I was just recently speaking to um, uh, to Simon Pegg, who, of course, is the is one of the stars and uh, also the co-writer of the upcoming film Star Trek Beyond. And he made the great point about Wrath of Khan that I'd never thought of before, that it's basically a great submarine drama because it's, you know, the whole thing is sort of this stuff that's taking place on the Enterprise bridge and the stuff that Khan is doing on his bridge and that sort of face-off of personalities. It's hard to think of anything else like that in any of the movies certainly just those two incredibly charismatic antagonists no, i think that's no, why it's great you know, I mean, that's that's a great place to start <laughs> kirk, kirk, kirk and khan are never in the same room together right they never mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. never in the same room uh they uh, did montalban and shatner ever meet when they were shooting maybe they did publicity together afterwards montalban but... like kind of joked later that he wished that he could have uh you know been in the same room as shatner but he was literally i mean montalban who gives an incredible performance we you know we just had a technical malfunction here on the bridge oh. So we uh -oh. lost you for a second. Um, hold on. Uh, we just we just had a technical malfunction. Can we? Uh, can you were saying Montalban and uh, Shatner? Uh, Montalban wished that he would have performed opposite Shatner. Yeah, yeah. Montalban, who is just giving you know, the performance of a life in that movie, and everything he says, you know, to your friend's point, is very quotable and very memorable. He's just sort of responding to a script supervisor who's <laughs> off-screen reading Shatner's lines. It's 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 incredible. You know, I, I I I I do kind of agree with you that like Wrath of Khan, I think, is a really great place to start. Although I, 
would say the movie that I always recommend to people, it's kind of a cheat in a way because it's really hard to say, you know, how how representative it is of Star Trek in general. But The Voyage Home is essentially a, a delightful comedy with, you know, just very lovable characters, no real bad guys, no real tension, just lots of great lines. And I, I find, I mean, I saw that for the first time when I was a kid and I just, I still, it, it, makes, me, it, it makes me tear up and laugh every time I watch it. So it's, that's it's, another good go-to. It's an absolute masterpiece. It's one of the highlights of the franchise. It's one of the best, you know, fun movies of the 80s. Um, the only reason why I wouldn't recommend it is that part of its appeal is that you already know the characters. But I guess not. It worked for you if you didn't really know them yet. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a fish out of water story. So if you don't know what the fish is like in the water, when you see them out of water, it's not doesn't have quite as much punch. But it definitely still works. I mean, listen, everybody knows Spock is cold and logical and McCoy is a funny goofball <laughs> and Kirk is Kirk. So, I mean, that's all you need to know. Scotty, Scotty. Assuming you haven't lived under a rock, um, you, you know this thing. So Star Trek Four is almost as good of a place to start as as Star Trek 2 um and you know that was the first I mean that was the first one I saw in the theater as a fan uh like I say I saw Star Trek 3 with my grandfather didn't really know what the heck to make of it and I wasn't a Star Trek fan really I just kind of went because it was the only thing playing and then later I started watching the reruns and then Star Trek 4 and it really nailed it for me and that was terrific and then I started watching the reruns more and then TNG kicked off so it's real. I mean, I've seen Star Trek four, five hundred times. Uh, I mean, it's just fantastic. Uh, what about uh, what about like like uh, TV episodes from from across all the different corners of the yeah. Star Trek franchise? I believe that, the phrase recommended for is uh, in the all four quadrants of the galaxy. I think. <laughs> Wait, but I, exactly. I want to go back to Star Trek too because I I, I I I read a piece that you wrote on Entertainment Weekly recently. You've been going through and rewatching all the films. And you made a really interesting point about how, in, in, in your analysis, Star Trek II is a film about performance. And you touched on something that I've always been like a thing that I bring up at bars when it's late at night and nobody knows what I'm talking about, which is the most, probably one of the most famous moments in, in, in Captain Kirk Ness is him shouting Khan, <laughs> which do we have a sound of that. Hold on. We've got... Um, no, we don't have Photon torpedoes, fire. No, we don't have that yet on Engage. <laughs> We've got a lot of other fun buttons on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. But um, the moment when he's shouting Khan, as you pointed out, um, people like to joke because it seems like William Shatner is overacting, but he's not. He's selling it to Khan. He knows that he's going to be saved. Yeah. No, no, it's 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 all part of this ruse that he has concocted, and so that's why I, I mean Shatner, who you know in that movie is giving what I think is like his best single performance as Kirk in any of the kind of films. Um, he's so overselling that, but it's not him doing it; it's Kirk doing that. Right. And in turn, you know, there's lots of kind of great stuff. I mean, I, I think that a director Nicholas Meyer, um, who of course directed Star Trek Two and Star Trek Six, worked a bit on Four, and is going to be working on the upcoming uh, Star. Trek series on CBS All Access. He, I think, just had a real keen sense of like you know who these characters were, and you know the fact that you know the the, the film begins with with the whole Enterprise crew kind of performing like their own death. It's fascinating yeah. stuff. No, really, it's, it, it, it it lends a lot of a lot of texture to their personalities. But I think. The, you, you nailed it with I I never put it together with that opening scene like you did in your article about how they were performing the whole the whole film was performance, but. And I printed this out this morning. Years ago, 
I interviewed Nicholas Meyer, um, and I touched upon this. And I printed out. I'm going to read to you what I said to him, and I'm going to read to you what it will take just a minute. This was year, This was maybe like six or seven years ago. Um, I said, uh, when you see the movie, Rathacon, for the first time, you believe that Kirk really thinks he's trapped. When you see it the second time, you realize that he knows he has worked out a plan with Spock back on the Enterprise, and they are working out a way to rescue him. Therefore, he has to perform, as it were, for Khan. He has to convince Khan that Khan has truly bested him, so he will leave, so Spock can then come back and save the day. Therefore, the somewhat over-the-top line reading that has become so legendary is actually quite savvy, because Kirk has to get Khan to think, yes, I've won. Did that level of thinking go into the line reading, or am I just babbling incoherently to you? <laughs> and Nicholas Meyer said, you are babbling incoherently to me. <laughs> so you and I can think about this till the cows come home as Star Trek fans. But, you know, uh, the creators, who knows what they think about all this. So... Uh fascinating well, this is this is sort of this is sort of like you know part of the fun of star trek too and i'm sure you know y- you feel this way also i'm at the point where i've analyzed and overanalyzed this stuff as if they are like the dead sea scrolls and you know lots of times they do hold up to that kind of scrutiny sometimes welcome to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it Besides the great Nicholas Meyer, do you have any kind of like, like dream guests for for Engage once the podcast uh, officially begins? Um, well, yeah, actually, it's funny. We we um, we're just we're gonna have some guests for sure. We've already got uh, one in the can, which I'm announcing here. We we uh, recorded with uh, Weird Al Yankovic yesterday. Oh, incredible! Yeah, so that's um, you know we wanna we wanna not just have Star Trek uh, people. We wanna have people that are appealing to the Star Trek fan type of person you know like a weird out type but i mean obviously i would love to schmooze with nick meyer i would love to schmooze with with you know patrick stewart and and and, and mm-hmm. brent spiner and and you know, Catherine janeway and when well, she's got a real name um kmo grew <laughs> sorry <laughs> um uh, all of them you know valana the whole gang um uh ethan phillips neelix is uh awesome he's the greatest guy robert ricardo everybody and certainly when the new show is kicking uh, my intention, and I think it would, as as Spock would say, it would be only logical uh, that we would be involved uh, interview-wise with people from the new show as that launches and gets going. Um, can we just talk? Can we just talk for for a second, like uh, about the new show? Because as we're recording this, um, the uh, first teaser for the new Star Trek has uh, just appeared online, and of course, you know, not too much is is really known yet. But yes. one thing that really one thing that really struck me, and you know, again, I, I I'm I'm a very I, I'm a total soft touch with all this stuff, and so the teaser is essentially just a bunch of words, but the words are new adventure, new crews, new villains, new heroes. Yeah, all all, all that new, it, it sort of made me feel. You know, it's it's exciting in a way. I think just because I know that for a lot of people, even some fans, you know, there did reach a point in maybe the late '90s, early 2000s, where it felt as if you know we're maybe going over some things we've gone over before. We've seen you know all, all the holodeck adventures. We've seen you know all the sorts of like you know neutrals conflicts. And so yeah. I, I don't know. I I I I'm intrigued to know you know what do you think about uh, you know where this new show is uh, going to go and uh, you know what do you you know what are your what are your hopes for it? Right, right. Well, my hopes are exactly what you said. I mean, I, I definitely think um, new is great. Uh, you know, I I definitely want to see. Um, 
how do I say this the way I want to see new stuff, but I also want to see something that the movies haven't been doing as much, which is exploring uh, the uh, the worlds that 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 we already know are out there, but but are still ripe for for more stuff. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there are still plenty of things to do with, you know, uh, the Cardassians or something like that, you know, or, or the Ferengi. Uh, there's a lot on the table that's been left. Um, the Andorians, you know, those guys are awesome. Where um, do you where where do you stand on the sort of Star Trek reboot series? Because I know that like like especially Star Trek Into Darkness was was controversial for some people. Yeah. Um, you know what are your what are your kind of thoughts in general? Because I know my understanding is you know on one hand this is a great time to jump in because there's so much Star Trek. On the other hand, it now seems like there's these two time streams that we may have to deal with right, as far right, as right. you know what are these Star Trek films exploring and what is the Star Trek TV show exploring? Right. Well, uh, first. Of all, I think the 2009 film is fantastic. I love the pieces. I saw it seven times in the theater. I think it's terrific. Um, and I think that part of its brilliance is that it does have a lot of connective tissue with the original Star Trek that we love. And that's not just having Leonard Nimoy in there, although that certainly helped. Star Trek <laughs> in the Darkness um, was not the, not our great franchise's finest hour. Let's put it that way. I think uh, I think Star Trek Into Darkness was um, was uh, was not was not terrible. But uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the third film, and I'm really looking forward to the new show. And in terms of it being confusing to the audience about the movies versus the show, eh, I think they can handle it. You know, I think um, I think there's going to be a lot of time to get the message out about where things take place. And I think, and a lot of this is rumor and hearsay, but, um, you know, each season of the show potentially being an anthology, uh, that's been floated up a lot. I don't think that's been officially confirmed, so I'm not officially saying that it is. But much of the line of True Detective or um, what's the other one, American Horror Story, mm-hmm. that is, uh, for, for a guy like me, that is music to my ears because there's so much to do in the Star Trek universe that... If that's the way they truly choose to go and that every season can just kind of pick you up and plop you back somewhere else in the time-space continuum, that's uh, that's awesome. You know, I think I think yeah. that's going to be really neat. Um, I, I hope that I hope that we we finally get one season that is entirely focused on Cameron Fry being in charge of the Enterprise B. That's <laughs> I have been Star Star Trek Generations is not my favorite Star Trek film. No, but, but there's thought, some good stuff I've, in there. Yeah, there is some great stuff in there, and I've always thought the Enterprise B look, looked pretty cool. I mean, Enterprise like, B, and and let's see some Enterprise C. Rachel Garrett, right? Let's get her well, in there. So, so, so I'm I'm glad that you're you're bringing that up because uh, Enterprise C was of course at the center of you know one of w- one of my favorite kind of Star Trek episodes is the the time travel episode where things get like crazy and then ultimately in the end maybe there's maybe they're resolved but like yeah. you know there's, there's 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 so much fun to be had there and that was the center of yes Enterprise yeah I'm not sure that's an episode Wait, I that, think you just popped out there but what you were saying was yesterday's Enterprise from TNG is is one of your favorites and um, yeah. It's yeah, it's a masterpiece. That's one of the best, as is Mirror Mirror from from original series. The ones where, uh, and they're kind of a similar thing. It's like here's our guys, and here's like this the spin on our guys, and why we like, you know, those episodes are really really appealing to me too. I think they're terrific. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I was going to say just uh, one episode from TNG that I think I would actually recommend to newcomers is an episode that 
you're not a very big fan of. Um, it's an episode called In Theory, and it's the one where Data has a girlfriend. Do you remember this episode? In Theory with an N, right? <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's I, I think it's in theory, yeah, oh, or, okay. or maybe it's in theory, yeah. Um, it's it's the one you had it ranked pretty low on your list. I just kind of like it because um, you know th- this is the one thing that I, I think we're missing from the movies right now. I mean, like the movies are trying to accomplish something very different. You know, they're huge. They're really kind of epic stories. You know, that can work very, very well. But what I like about Star Trek is, you know, a lot of these TV shows, they had 24 or 30 episodes a year. And so you, you get these nice little short stories almost. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's, yeah. I think I think like uh, that's what I'm also really excited about with the new TV show is the ability to really kind of like dig into some of the characters, into some of the, you know, interesting, uh, you know, concepts that uh, right, the franchise. Right. Like, some, of those, some of those smaller, like, you know, you have a character... And then you get a Wharf episode where you really dive deep on him. One of my favorite ones from TNG, similar to that, was uh, Lower Decks, where it was like mm-hmm. an episode devoted to like people you never see, you know, like the people who are, you know, low, low down on the totem pole that maybe interact <laughs> with Riker for two minutes a week or something. You know, those <laughs> those episodes are dynamite. Um, I I don't know how much of that we're going to see in the new show. I think I mean I don't you know I, my my knowledge is is very limited, but. Uh, I would not be surprised if the new show is more in line. I mean, it's. I don't think it's going to be 30 episodes. I think it's going to be kind of like these newer shows are now, like, uh, you know, like 13 episodes or something. So it may be more self-contained as a story arc to itself and more propulsive, similar to the way an episode of Mad Men is or something like that. So I don't know. I mean, um, we, we, you, we have to... Uh, we have to we have to discuss this again once we're five episodes deep and see where we are. But um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, like uh, you know, w- what's great too is I mean, you know, whenever you're talking about Star Trek, you're both talking about a franchise that's produced some of the great standalone episodes, but also this was the franchise of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, which kind of more or less invented long form serialized storytelling. Back you are in the so 90s. right. You are so right. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Everybody talks about the Sopranos like they broke the mold. That's a lot of crap. I'll tell you, the show. <laughs> That started this so-called golden age of television is Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Before that, the only shows that were doing serialized arcs were soap operas. It was Days mm-hmm. of Our Lives, The Young and the Restless. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, uh, General Hospital. General Hospital. It was those three and then some British stuff like I, Claudius, but that would only be like a 13 episodes and you're done. <laughs> Star Trek Deep Space Nine was the first one and they were told that they couldn't do it. It was anathema to television. And the reason they were able to was because Paramount was so busy because they were making the movies. They were doing the TNG movies. That took a lot of attention. And they were doing Voyager. And they were really getting in. They were tweaking Voyager a lot. They felt that it needed a lot of tweaking. They were changing Captain Janeway's hair every other week. And they were so involved that Deep Space Nine was the redheaded stepchild and they got to do whatever the heck they wanted as long as they stayed on budget and had good ratings. And they were able to do what was now considered revolutionary. They had the Dominion War arc, which lasted, what, four seasons? And it's, it's fantastic. It, it was it, it was so crazy watching it happen because, and, and I mean, you know, Deep Space Nine, you know, like 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 most of the Star Trek shows besides the first one, it took a while to get going. But, you know, 
it, it was a very good show in the first three seasons, which had essentially, you know, kind of standalone episodes all set in the same place. Great, great cast of characters. You know, you mentioned like the Ferengi and the Cardassians and, you know, all these fantastic kind of creatures. And then all of a sudden it became like this huge, like ongoing thing. And week to week, it was just it was it was interesting to watch that happen, like as it was happening. And now, obviously, I mean, that show is maybe the one Star Trek show that lends itself to binging. In oh, a yeah. Way, just Once because... somebody gets into it. And I always say to people they got to watch space nine but i'll be honest you got to get through those first two and a half seasons right some of those episodes all the way home right when they're playing the game follow way home or what is it called yeah, it's just ugh, oh my god yeah um, no but, no it, it takes a while to uh, get going. a la moraine <laughs> right when they're shouting a la moraine there's some there's some real uh rough ones in the early bits of ds9 but then once it gets going that's why it was tough so yeah i did i did come up with a list of the four shows so you so you're suggesting star trek six and then you want to go to yesterday's Enterprise is that your number yeah, two? Yeah, I'd say I'd say I'd say Star Trek Four and then Yesterday's Enterprise, right, just sure. because like I think that, and also because I mean Yesterday's Enterprise is a great showcase for you know the the whole cast on Next Generation. It's not as crazy as Mirror Mirror, no. where they all get to play like you know evil, vaguely kind of like you know Ye- Julius Caesar versions of themselves. Yeah, yeah. But- Ye- Yesterday's <laughs> Enterprise is my favorite Guinan episode for sure. I mean mm-hmm. Guinan kicks ass in that. It's great to see her in that, but. Um, I do not have that on my list, even though I love that, for the same reason I didn't I didn't have um, Star Trek Four is because I feel like Yesterday's Enterprise really works if you already know how the gang works Operates on a regular together. day, because mm-hmm. you're seeing them as a fish out of water. You lo- you buy fish and throw them out of water all day long, don't you? You <laughs> love to see. You go to a pet store and you're like, they're they're gone, they're out of here. I do like I do tend to gravitate to like 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 the weird Star Treks. Like I think yeah. I'm the one guy who actually kind of loves like almost every holodeck episode. I I am a very cheap date. I'm a cheap I, date for I, holodeck. Episodes. Who do you who do who, you prefer the Leonardo da Vinci's or the Sherlock Holmes holodeck episodes? Let me hit you with this. My favorite one. Uh, so like Voyager, which I know like like a lot of people have have been lately trying to kind of reclaim. When I was when I was watching it, I didn't necessarily like, like love that show the way that I love Deep Space Nine. So I I kind of fell off on. It. But one of my favorite episodes from Voyager is the one where the Doctor, played by uh, you know the great Robert Picardo, he has to go into a, a Beowulf holodeck simulation. <laughs> it's very, it is very entertaining and very, very kind of chintzy in like the right way. Yeah, you know, like it, it looks very cheap, but in a way that is you know that, that is very appealing. So there's some, I good, grab- there's some great yeah. holodeck stuff. I mean, so I, the, you know the the the. Um... The Sherlock Holmes stuff, when I see Data in that stupid hat, that's a little much for me. But the, um, uh, you know, like the stuff with, um, you know, when Reg Barclays in the in the in the holodeck, then it really hits me in where it's home. And that's that's who we are. Right. That's that's who Star Trek fans are. We like to say, oh, no, no, we're Riker or we're Spock. No, we're Reg nope, Barclay. Nope. We're, we're definitely we're, we're definitely all all Barclay. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes maybe we we get to be Chekhov, but I, I'm not sure yeah. that that's ever necessarily when we're feeling a sick. Good... When we break our arm, then we're Chekhov. <laughs> so my second episode is, um, and this is me being a little bit narcissistic because this was the first original series episode I ever saw, and it's the one that just bolted me to the to the franchise. Season one, Taste of Armageddon, which is I think a perfect show, and it's a great one that you can watch knowing next to nothing. This is the one, of course, where uh, they land on a planet, and the planet is at war with another planet, um, but they don't actually fire missiles at each other when they receive uh, data um, about who was killed, and they have to go into incinerators, right? 
Mm-hmm, is, this mm-hmm. ring, is this ringing bells for you? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I guess I saw this many years ago. Yes. Yeah, all right. So it's some people, it's not their favorite one, but but I, I want you to see it again because it's a great weirdo kind of classic sci-fi premise. It's like straight out of, you know, Asimov's science fiction, the pulp book, or analog science fiction, in fact. It's or straight up classic sci-fi pulp concept. It's got a cool-looking planet, great interiors, great costumes, and it's really, really funny. This is the one, this is one of my favorite bits. Uh, it's when uh, uh, Spock has to use the Vulcan uh, nerve pinch on somebody, and he says, sir, there is a multi-legged insect crawling up your arm, and he goes, Arr? and then he yanks him. I mean, it's really funny. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is, this is one I think that is just a really cool concept, and it's, it's, it's not a bottle episode because it's not all on the ship, but it's self-contained, you know? And then from mm-hmm. there, I would go straight into my number three pick, which is TNG, which also is something that's very self-contained and I think really captures the essence of Picard and the whole ship, which is Darmok, right? You know which one this is. Darmok and Jalad no. at the Niagara. Wait, oh, this which is one's, this which is one the, is that one? This is the TNG episode where he's stuck on a planet with another dude, and it's the, it's the, it's the uh, race that cannot – the universal translator won't work on them – because when they speak, it just comes out as gibberish. And then we discover <laughs> that they communicate using a different system of language. They communicate using only uh, representative language. So they use, uh, they, they refer to events to express what they're feeling. So, for example, uh, let's say if you want to, when, when Counselor Troy figures it out, uh, she says uh, the expression, um, uh, R- 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 Romeo at the balcony, right? That's an expression of love. Romeo is speaking up to Juliet. So it's it, it's Picard having, and he's you know they're marooned on the planet, and and so the you know the gang is up up in the spaceship figuring this out, but uh, Picard is down on the planet trying to figure it out on his own also, and it's just a great way of showing their uh, deductive reasoning, you know? And oh, it's that. also all taken from the Epic of Gilgamesh. I mean, I didn't know this when I, f- <laughs> when I first saw it. I, I didn't know this until I read about it later. I'm like, oh, that was Gilgamesh done Star Trek style. Well, okay, cool. I didn't know. But uh, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a replay of Gilgamesh. And that is a great, great episode that I really like. And then I also picked for the four, but but again, it's not yesterday's Enterprise. I didn't want to pick Best of Both Worlds because that's a two-parter. Or oh, that's of, that is that is a really intense two-parter. Too. Yeah, that first that first uh, that uh, cliffhanger from the season, that whole summer. You know, I was watching it at the time. You might have been too young, but we I really thought that Picard was gone, you know, because and, and, and it, it's so hard to explain this to people now, because now we're used to television where, you know, like every two weeks on Game of Thrones, something horrible will happen to one of the main characters. And, you know, for me, like with Star Trek up to that point, you know, you're used to the idea of, well, the crew, you know, each week, you know, like Next Generation had some running subplots, but fundamentally, like, you know, they'll always kind of return back to normal. Right. Maybe this. Maybe the world they visit will blow up. Maybe it won't. You know, maybe these characters, you know, maybe they'll help them. Like, you know, maybe they won't. But 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 our, but our guys are going to be safe. And so the end of that episode, when you see Picard as as a Borg, it, yeah, I mean, like, that is just like, you know, that is the end of, of Innocence moment <laughs> right there. <laughs> well, it's not just that. Is that. No, no. I mean, you're absolutely right. By and large, every episode of TNG was you put your toys back where you found them and everything's kind of cool for the next week. Except for the death of Tasha Yar. Right. Which rocked me to my core. I watched it in my grandmother's kitchen, 
And there's this big black hefty bag that just picks up and flows, throws Tasha Yar to the ground. I'm like, oh, Tasha Yar will be fine in a minute. And then she's dead. She's freaking <laughs> dead. And she's, she's dead, dead, dead. She does not come back. I mean, yes, seasons later, her alternate dimension version came back. That's fine. Alternate, alter, and then and then there and then there was her alternate dimension time travel Romulan daughter too. Don't you know, forget that about screwed her. Screwed up because that that was she was you know she was uh, raped by the Romulans. Really, they, it's, they, they very, kinda, it's very strange. They yeah. they don't really get into it. She was a con. She had a choice to die in prison or to become a Romulan concubine, all off screen. And then she does, and then the da- the daughter appears. But when you think about it a lot, it's, it's horrible. But anyway, yeah. so season one, I'm watching this in my grandmother's kitchen, and and Tasha Yar, who I liked, you know, she was you know sexy, and I'm 13, and she's blonde, and I'm watching this, and then she's dead, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So that's why I think that the end of Best of Both Worlds had so much power because. TNG wouldn't do that. They they would kill the captain mm-hmm. or leave him mm-hmm. a, a Borg because they did it before. They killed they <laughs> killed Tasha Yar. So <laughs> that summer uh, was rough. And of course, I had no one to talk to about this because no one would admit to being a Star Trek fan back then. <laughs> and uh, we didn't have the internet, so you know, I would I would you know talk to my cat about it. You know, so I was uh, <laughs> uh, walking in the rain at the beach, you know, trying to find that. So now. <laughs> People can watch that and they can tune in via iTunes or Play.it or any other place and listen to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, starting uh, soon. Starting soon. Well, and, uh, uh, you, you know, and yes. and and, uh, the, you know, when it when it begins, uh, you know, how, how often can people check in? Uh, what's the format going to be like? Uh, oh, they can check know, in August- as- they can check in as much as they want. I may not be here, but they can check. No, we're gonna. It's gonna be <laughs> weekly for the most part. There may be, uh, you know, there may be the occasional two-parter, or uh, we're gonna be weekly. We're gonna have a presence at the Star Trek conventions. I'm gonna be at the convention in Vegas, and then the one in New York, which is gonna be awesome, uh, in New York uh, at Labor Day, and then possibly the convention in 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 Manchester, England, uh, to be determined. That's a maybe. And, um, you know, and then various other fan events. You know, there's going to be this summer in New York, there's going to be uh, at the um, Intrepid, which is, uh, you know, the big uh, every, every city has their own aircraft carrier. Right. So we have the Intrepid here in New York and there's going to be a, a museum, uh, a Trek museum there exhibit, not exhibit um, show, you know, exhibit. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to show up there and, and maybe do a show from there. But no, the show will be weekly. Um, uh, you know, iTunes play dot it. And, uh, you know, every everywhere else you can listen to uh, podcasts. And we're going to have guests here in, in the CBS uh, studios. And then uh, sometimes we'll Skype people in like we're Skyping you in. And, and then we'll take it from there. And some weeks there may be no, no guests at all. It may just be me babbling for an hour. Now, now, Jordan, uh, and and fortunately, we all love to hear you babble. But uh, I've been intrigued to know, you know, you now have an an incredible platform with this podcast. Um, one of the things that I, I think is especially fun about loving Star Trek is, you know, there's such a diversity to the stuff that Star Trek has. You know, there are arguments about you know who's the best captain, which is the best show. Like, you know, all, like I shouldn't say arguments. There are there are profound, thoughtful debates about all of this. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Is there is there any corner of the Star Trek universe that you 
you kind of feel as if you're an advocate for, you know, something that like going forward, you kind of want to bring into the conversation. Like, you know, for for myself, um, we were talking uh, at the start of this about, you know, memory beta and, and some of the great Star Trek books. There's a series of Star Trek books written by Peter David. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. I mean, he's 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 this, you know, as a as a kid growing up in the 90s, he wrote basically everything that I was reading. But yeah. He wrote this series called The New Frontier, yeah. which is one of my favorite things in Star Trek ever. And I, I talk about it to people whenever I can, because I just think that's such a great sort of a great corner of the universe that, you know, not not everybody has, has necessarily heard of. Mackenzie um, Calhoun. Are you kidding me? I mean, Mackenzie gonna... Calhoun, of yeah. course. <laughs> um, we I would eat glass to have Peter David on the show. And I think um, I think if we give him cab fare, he'll come. Right. I mean, why not? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I want to I want to go like like I said earlier, I want to go. There'll be some aspects of the show that are going to be mainstream for people who are new. And then we're going to get Peter David in here to talk hardcore about the book Q in Law, you know, which is a masterpiece. Yes. Have you read <laughs> Q in Law? Uh, I have not read Q in Law. Right, is I'm that gonna, the one? Is that s- the one where Q gets which gets married, or is that to uh, who? To guess to who? Think about it for a minute. Uh, um, uh, uh, Beverly Crusher, uh, uh, Troy, Loxana uh, Troy, <laughs> Loxana. Troy. Oh no! <laughs> This is one of the things. One of the things that I loved about growing up and reading those books was, if you think about it, if those books are to be believed, something crazy and cosmic is happening to the Enterprise every day. Basically, I know. Like, there's, there's no regular there's, day. There is no break for these people. Yeah, there's no like a lazy Friday. There's no dress down Friday on the Enterprise. You know, it's it's constant work. Although th- there are a few episodes that are Lower Decks is one. Data's Day is another one where it's kind of mellow. And uh, those episodes are great. I mean, uh, yes, but that's what those books are for, is to really sinking your teeth in. You know, I have not read, to the common man, I've read more Star Trek books than anyone should. But to some, that is an area where I could use, um, uh, uh, I, I'm always looking for more. You know, I've, I've read many, but I haven't read a lot. I've read a lot of the um, the Vanguard series. Have you read the Vanguard series? No. What Which is, is fairly what is new. What is the Vanguard series? Oh, man. The Van- Vanguard series is awesome. The Vanguard series are for fans of Deep Space Nine and original. It's basically Deep Space Nine set in the original series uh, era. What it is, it's, it's, it's Space Station, I think it's 47 or something. I get confused. The first book is like it starts off Kirk and Spock. Circa, it's like right after uh, where no man has gone before, or something, and they like do a pit stop. It's right after where no man has gone before. They, Gary Mitchell just just died, and they're like, <laughs> "Oh crap, we got to we got to retool the ship." So they put in at space station something, maybe it's space station seven. I can't remember. And they put in, but they call it the Vanguard. But anyways, they put in at the station, and they hang out for half the book, and then they leave, and then we stay behind, and then it's just awesome. And then there's like. I think six or I read all of them. I think there are eight books altogether. Oh, awesome. They are great. They are great. And the authors of those books, um, they don't know it yet, but they'll be on this show at some point. Oh, and the comics fantastic. are great. I think the comics are right now are really cool. Um, you know, I definitely want to engage, so to speak, with those folks um, at some point. So, yeah, both 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 ends. I mean, it's it's going to be for the hardcore as well as for um, the less hardcore. 
Fantastic. Uh, my my last question, uh, while we're talking about places where, where people should begin, do you have any like favorite episodes that deal very obviously in like in like the big themes of, of, of Star Trek? Like one of my favorites, which I actually think it's it, it's fun to watch, even if like everything about it is so on the nose, is um, from the original series. Let this be your last battlefield where you have um, yeah. the yeah. guy where uh, uh, the guy who played the Riddler. Yeah. He's a guy. He, he's a guy from a planet where, uh, you know, everyone is, you know, th- their face is put down the middle, black on one side, white on the other. And they're in a sort of like, you know, very elaborate kind of like, like, like race war. And the way that plays out, I just think it's it's so delightful and old school it's and a very, great, very, very pulpy sci fi. It's, it's a great okay. episode. I There are it's a gets a it's a great episode to watch 15 times. By the 16th time, there are a couple of scenes that are a little boring. There's a lot of him running. <laughs> There are a lot of shots of him just running through the through the hallways. Um, my, but I know exactly what you're going for, and I would pick something else from season three, the the much maligned season three, which is Day of the Dove, um, which is it's it's like a classic uh, piece of short fiction. It's like a cr- classic piece of literature. It's just like there's that little sphere, that's little glowing ball that's 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 hate. And he's going to kill you unless you chill out with your enemy. So until Kirk and I believe it's Kang, I sometimes get Kang and Koloff confused, but I think that one's Kang. Um, uh, yeah, it's Kang for sure. Uh, Kirk and Kang got to chill. And um, if they don't fight, if they put away their weapons, then the, then the energy beam will disappear. And it's simple, but it's pure. And that's exactly, yeah, that, that one I love. I mean, that's a great one to, to show kids, you know? I mean, they'd probably be bored because it was made in 1968, but... <laughs> Those kids are idiots, and they need to learn. So, um, but but it's terrific. I mean, and listen, my favorite episode of all time is "City on the Edge of Forever." I mean, and that's that's there's really not a lot of debate there. I mean, I think it's perfect. But I also don't really recommend "City on the Edge of Forever" for a newcomer because um, uh, I feel like you kind of have to know Kirk a little bit to know why it's so hard for uh, for for Edith Keeler to die. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like you kind of earn when you do 10 original series episodes, then you get the, the right to watch Save the Edge of Forever. And it's perfect. It's a perfect episode. It really it is. is. It is It is a perfect episode of television from, from start to finish. And one thing that I especially like about it and why, you know, why I, I think now is a great time for someone to get into Star Trek is, you know, the original series it, it feels so different from the series that followed in a wedge because, you know, it was made at a different time. The colors are really kind of like just so over the top. And especially, um, you know, the the Netflix versions, it's frustrating because the special effects are kind of weird and digital. But yeah. like the sets, the sets are just gorgeous. Well, listen, and part, part HD, of they really pop. Yeah. Part of part of NBC's willingness to 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 buy this show uh, was they wanted to move color TVs. I mean, they, their parent mm-hmm. company was RCA. So that was the first note when they did the cage um, and they didn't they didn't uh, go for the first pilot. They said, when you redo this, you know, let's it's, it's, it's not going to be uh, blue and gray. Let's pop. Get those colors to pop. And, and yeah, it's so colorful. Um, so you're right. Original people say, what's your favorite show? Blah, 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 blah. And that's annoying because <laughs> original series is here. This is different. It's different style acting, different style of of. of Storytelling, I think it's fair to compare TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. Ooh. What's your what's your uh, what, what's your preference there? Well, I mean, I you know, I I love them all equally, you know, but I, mm-hmm. I do think I don't know. It's hard because it's hard. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean like well, because, it's hard. They're because, all tied because, for first place. Yeah, 
because I mean, again, like it's hard to express this. Like when those were all on, it just felt like each one, even Voyager, which was you know similar in some respects to TNG, certainly more so than Deep Space Nine was. Yeah, they yeah. each have just things that like just taken all together. They're this beautiful whole. I mean, like you know Voyager, you had like I mean some of my favorite characters, like between Captain Janeway and you know Belana Torres, and like you know it's it is very hard to sort of like segment those out because while those shows were on and they were on kind of almost contiguously, it was just so much Trek, which is why yeah. it, it, it's it, it's great that now they're all kind of easily accessible from various, you know, streaming and, uh, you know, you know cable uh, access Right, points. and you can kind of watch them separate because it, it is difficult, but there was a stretch when, when DS9 was, was really kicking ass at the same time Voyager was starting and they were kind of different. And mm-hmm. in a way, it sort of overshadowed Voyager. I mean, Janeway is such a great character. Oh, she's um, incredible. And so, you know, what's my favorite? I don't know. I'll, I'll say, look, they're all tied for first place. I would put Enterprise, which I love. I love Enterprise. I would say Enterprise is, is second place and the rest are tied for first place. How does that sound? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, uh, what we all think about the, the new series once it's uh, out. But, you know, well, Enterprise uh, has some of my favorite characters. Dr. Phlox, forget about it. I love Dr. Phlox. He's <laughs> tremendous. And Trip Tucker, too. Trip Tucker is one of the best characters in all of Star Trek. Really. Mm-hmm. He's like mm-hmm. the coolest guy. I would want to hang out with him almost as much as any of the classic characters. Um, so <laughs> it's tough. Uh, uh, just, okay, well, one last thing. If there's one one living cast member from Star Trek who could somehow call it alternate reality, call it time travel, call it holodeck, whatever, who could somehow appear on the new series, who would that be for you? Oh. Yeah. Well... I mean, it can't it can't be Spock, right? I mean, it could, I guess, with Quinto, but no. Um, is it, what's going to be the one that's going to get me the most emotional when I don't I don't mm-hmm. expect it? You know, some of the characters that get me the most emotional are the are like the ones, like I feel like a real, like I really care about um, Kira. Like I want her to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I, totally. I, I lose sleep over it. Like I want, I just want, Akira has, has suffered so much. She's had such a, such a life, you know? <laughs> yes. I mean, she has had such a life. I mean, she really <laughs> suffered in her, in her younger years. And, um, so I, I just hope she's okay. And I worry about her a lot, you know? And <laughs> you I want, guess, I guess. You want some kind of check in. You, you want yeah, some kind of check in. I want to check in with her and <laughs> I want to make sure she's happy. You know, I get very emotional thinking about somebody like yeah, that. So it yeah. might, it might be Kira. It's not, I mean, like. Uh, you know, Picard. I want to see old man Picard teaching archaeology somewhere. You yes, know, yes, totally. I want to see him and 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 Doctor Crusher. Like maybe they're not married, but they live together. You know, yeah, and they that's, and that's the one. That's the one that I often go to is like seeing them and getting some just like sense of closure with those two characters would would, would mean so much for me. I mean, like it's on my head because I was just watching the episode of Voyager that he guest starred in. But I, I would love to see George Takei factor into it somehow because yeah. I mean, well, he's he's obviously. I mean, even more so. I think in the last ten years, he's become such a presence in pop. Culture culture and you know i i just think that he's a you know he's a guy who weirdly some of his best work came after the original series and, oh yeah and some of the yeah. movies and in voyagers so Listen, I'd, Bri- I'd love to see him back. this is i mean i'm not, I, I know nothing but i'll say this brian fuller is not a fool and if they eventually want to get i wouldn't be surprised if the first season there's none of that and that makes sense they want to mm-hmm. they want to they want to do their own thing then we get mm-hmm. into season two maybe they start sprinkling a little bit of that into the soup and Brian Fuller knows what he's doing. I mean, that that would be a really smart way to go, whether it's officially Admiral Sulu or, or Rear Admiral Sulu or whatever, whatever's <laughs> higher, maybe. But, um, 
Yeah. I mean, the chances of seeing a character like Kira again, probably unlikely. But somebody like <laughs> Sulu showing up, you never know. Or it might be an actor that you don't expect. I mean, Michael Dorn, you know, if he doesn't have the makeup on, he can play anybody, right? I mean, he exactly, can... Uh, exactly. Or he, you know, and canonically, we have other Worfs. Remember, Worf was in Star Trek VI. It was Uncle... What was it? what was Counselor Worf, right? Or he was Counselor uh, Counselor Worf. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he, they could do that. I mean, you know, they could do a lot of things. They could do a lot Absolutely. of things. Absolutely. So uh, you Something know, to look forward to. Yeah. Well, great. Well, 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 Jordan, I'm excited about tuning in for Engage. Is there anything else that uh, people can uh, look forward to once the podcast yes, officially debuts? It's gonna. We've been yapping for an hour, but we're gonna give you. Uh, you know, we have a Facebook page, and 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 the the people. That are reading this um, can link and June fifteenth. That's the day we're launching. June fifteenth uh, is the day. Um, I think uh, you know when when everything goes live. You know we're going to have at least uh, X amount of episodes on June fifteenth uh, ready to go. Certainly the Weird Al episode and hopefully one or two other special guests on June fifteenth. Um, but we will have a uh, Facebook page and you can find it on play it slash Star Trek. You can go to or is it dot engage or is it both? Oh. Oh, it's play.it slash Star Trek, play.it slash Engage, iTunes. Just Google it. You know, I don't know. You figure it out. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be everywhere you listen to a podcast. You know, you figure it out. It's going to be It's going to be great. And um, I don't know. And there'll be a Facebook page if they want to send me hate mail or love mail. Uh, you know, I'm going to be, I want to involve the fans. I want to, that's why we call it Engage. I want to involve the fans. I want to hear what fans want to do. They told me, even though this is a podcast, that we are going to have the ability to take phone calls live. What? I don't know how that's going to work, but the head guy, I mean, this is CBS. This is not some Joker operation here. This is for the real deal. One of these guys from CBS looked me in the eye and said, we can do live guests what? Uh, from fans on the podcast. I guess we just broadcast it live and then it's taped. I don't know. Oh, fantastic. So what I want to do is have fans involved. You know, maybe we'll do trivia quizzes. We're going to give away crap, too. I mean, this is CBS. They got deep pockets. We're going to give away junk, <laughs> tickets to stuff, uh, you know, hats, the whole nine yards. So everybody's got to listen and and, 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 and and send it to your friends because, uh, you know, I got a lot riding on this. So we got to make it work. Looking forward to it. June 15th. I will be there. All right. Great. Thanks a lot, Darren. <laughs> and I'll keep reading your series. I mean, I imagine you're launching the next one soon, right? Oh, I'm I, I'm currently working on 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 the voyage home. Even just writing about the voyage home is bringing me to happy tears. Oh, so this might great. be a a, a a tough one. But, that's uh, great. I'm I'm especially looking forward to the one where I uh, try and fail to defend Star Trek Nemesis. So so we'll see how that turns out. Um, I, Nemesis <laughs> is not the worst movie. I don't think. I think that's that's for sure. Yeah. All right. Good. And later, listen. I'm going to email you later. I'm going to tell you all the things I really know about the new show, but can't say uh, on on record. How does that sound? That sounds incredible. I will. I will await that. <laughs> awesome. I'm. I'm. I'm hoping it involves a um, uh, a a Kira Norris meets a old Sulu fan fiction. <laughs> no, that's just stuff I'll have to send you that I have draw sketches and everything. You know, so that that I'll send you on my own. All right. Sounds perfect. All right. Well, let me beam you out. I have because they just gave me these. They're number three. Okay. All right, Darren. We'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot, Jordan. All have right. a good one. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.